take two of episode four of season two of Just That Butter. See, I knew we were going to add it's something episode else episode 42, there. bro. How weird is that? Episode 42, season two, episode four. That's, I mean... Yeah, I don't, planets, I don't keep... Planets, keep planets, aren't, the planets aren't aligning properly for you right now. No. No, the AT&T gods are upset with me. So, like, side note altogether. So, for work, I'll, like, demonstrate software for people. And our demo environment can just be kind of slow sometimes, just by its nature. And I'm like, oh, AT&T, I just upgraded. I always throw them under the bus. So, I think, like, they finally just, like picked up on that and like now they're just mad at me and punishing me on the weekends anyways back on the actual topic brian we are joined today by lady carnivory did it right jc uh who i have followed almost since i started my keto instagram page back when i was keto stev i think and before i transitioned to chicken and chaffles um you know, uh, we were speaking kind of before we started recording on this one that like everyone mispronounces your name. Um, mm-hmm. I have people mispronounce my Instagram handle as well. And they, they say chaffles. And I'm like, that <laughs> sounds awful. Please <laughs> don't put that disrespect on my name. I think they have some bomb for that if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So for our listeners, this will be the first that they're hearing of this unless they follow you and then they, they probably know. But um, if you wouldn't mind... Kind of breaking down your story again, coming from a plant-based diet to the standard American, aka sad diet, to keto, and then now to carnivore. Uh, would you kind of would you mind breaking that down a little bit again? Absolutely. So I was plant-based basically from the pressure of family and friends telling me that I loved animals so much. Why wasn't I a vegetarian? Um, and. Such a weird- a weird thing. That's a, that's a mind. I mean, I'm gonna be. That's a mind fuck right there. Like, hey, I they just tell you to be a vegetarian or a vegan. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you shouldn't yeah. if you love animals. And I was like, I love animals too, but they're not telling me to stop eating them. I don't know. That's. I don't know. Tell me you're a people pleaser without telling me you're a people pleaser. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Um. But yeah, I did that for three years and. I think the the biggest thing I hear from other plant-based people is the hardest thing about breaking something like that is um, the concept of eating flesh again. And mm-hmm. so that was a weird experience, experience for me was I got to a point where I recognized my health was not progressing from eating plant-based. I had pretty severe OCD. Um, I was having anxiety attacks and I just recognized that I needed to change something. And so my diet felt very natural, like a natural thing for me to change. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up breaking my plant-based diet with, uh, McDonald's chicken nuggets. Did you have dipping sauces? I did. I had, I was always a big fan of barbecue sauce. Oh, that's you solid. Go with barbecue. That, I mean, that's the that's the OG. Oh, honey mustard. The other question. That's, that's the that's the true OG. That's not the OG, man. Like, am I am I on my ranch in this? Yes. Ranch is <laughs> like ranch in Texas is like the the main mainstay outside of McDonald's. But real oh. quick, how many McNuggets was it? Was it like oh, yeah. a four piece? Was it a Happy Meal? Did you get a toy with it, or was it? Did you just go deep dive twenty piece McNugget and you were just loaded? I feel so called out on the Happy Meal thing right now <laughs> do you, what, do you still have that toy movie, is that like what, a, is that like yeah, a I was say, what movie was out because this is this is more entertaining right now what movie's out oh gosh um i remember the toy but i don't i cannot tell you what movie it was it was like a gumby type thing where you could bend yeah. it 
Um, and it was black and white and he was like really tall and skinny, but I cannot remember for the life of me what the movie would have been. Oh, that's going to bother me. So it was, <laughs> so it was, a, it was a four piece McNugget or was it a yeah. six piece? Did you get the junior size? I think it was a six piece. Okay. I got that's the mighty toy, kids. I got the fries and I got the orange high C. Oh, oh, okay. That's like childhood nostalgia right there. Yeah. That's, that's, oh my goodness. Uh, so I, I, there's a joke in a, a show I watched, Community, where they were all like vegetarian and like we had hamburger for the first time and we're not cold all the time. Like, did you have an experience like that? Like, did you feel worse or better or the same after converting to like a standard American diet? I definitely felt better. Um, the anxiety attacks I was experiencing were greatly reduced. Um, I was in a toxic relationship at the time too. So yeah. that ended as well. Um, so I don't know that I entirely tied my health getting better to changing my diet. Um, I felt like I was headed in the right direction now. Mm. Was, was not, not the deep dive, but was he a vegan as well? He was not. Oh my gosh, that man was a trash panda. He would eat everything. No vegetables though. Um, it was just like I remember him eating a lot of tortellini with Alfredo uh, sauce. That that was my go-to when I was like my largest. I would just have like they're easy to make. You just like get that like clear plastic thing and dump it in water for like a minute and he I was a relate. large guy. I mean <laughs> That's just, that's just where all the large guys go to eat because it takes like really? no skill to make and it, it, it's decent. It's decent. Um, awesome. So in the standard American diet, uh, just from take one of this, you were like tracking your macros, right? Like you were still fairly rigorous about like what you're eating. It wasn't just like a free for all. When it was standard American diet, I kind of went through different phases. Like I was, I, I've always been naturally pretty lean. Um, but I got interested in bodybuilding. And so I kind of got into, if it fits your macros was popular at the time. So I went from sad where I wasn't really tracking to if it fits your macros where I was tracking. Nice. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, but if, if it's your macros is basically like you can eat whatever, as long as it fits your macros. So if yeah. I could eat Oreos, I was going to eat Oreos. Mm -hmm. essentially. Started on keto. Cause it's like the most interesting way to start keto. Yeah. My coworker told me that she was starting this new diet and I asked her about it and she told me, Oh, it's high fat. And I was like, you're going to kill yourself. Um, and so and that was always super interesting to me because I have scoliosis, but I have joint pain hip down. And I was always super interested in reducing that inflammation and reducing that pain. Um, and so in trying to prove her wrong, I ended up getting on the keto bandwagon. You proved your, you proved yourself wrong in that situation. I did. And I was humbled you know, enough to admit it. Well, that's good though. I mean, instead of like digging in your heels and just quietly doing keto by yourself and not telling her, you at least, you know, owned up to it. I would have done the, the latter of the two. I'd actually just been quiet about it and just did keto. But keto, how long did you do your uh, keto lifestyle? And you mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, you're getting into bodybuilding. Were you continuing that trend as a keto dieter? Yes, I did. Uh, so I, I, was a bodybuilding enthusiast, but I never really pursued bodybuilding, um, as a sport. 
because I had very severe OCD that was debilitating in the sense that it actually prevented me from doing things in my life like bodybuilding. I just knew that that would never be a healthy pursuit for me because of my OCD. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was doing keto, I was weightlifting, but I didn't pursue bodybuilding as a sport at that time. You just admired it from afar, basically. Yes. What happened. Okay. That's kind of how I am at the gym. Like there's this, this dude, uh, that goes to the same gym as, and he's like five, six short dude. What are you but trying to say? Five, six is short, <laughs> like that's, but this dude, like, he's like, just, he's like a perfect circle, but he has the most ripped arms I've ever seen in my life. And I'm just like, oh, I can look like that guy one day. Like that's like in my head. I'm like, I can get my arms to look like that. Like I probably could never, but, uh, this dude is insane looking. You have to like when you go to a gym, you have to have that person that you adore. Uh, when I was going to a gym, I own a shred shed, so I don't know if you've ever listened to the the, the podcast. But I opened a shred shed in my shred my shed in the backyard, and so instead of making it like, you know, a, a stupid name, I gave it the name of a shred shed, and I'm legally obligated to say it at least nine times during an episode nowadays. Um, but there was always somebody that I would watch and idolize at the gym, like you know, this guy doesn't care because. As a large person, when I was going to the gym, my whole thing was to try to like hide, even though you're in plain sight, there's nowhere to hide in the gym unless the locker room. And I wasn't going to go to the locker room because I'm not going to get anything done. But this guy literally looked like JJ Watt and would walk around and play air guitar while he worked out. And I was like, this dude just doesn't care. I mean, he was six foot seven, like built like crazy. But I would literally watch him with his confidence and be like, you know, I want to get to that point where I can actually do that. And I, see, I'm like, there's a guy that like at my old gym who would like bounce around in between sets. Like he was like about to go to like a pro, like be like a pro wrestler. And I'm like, this guy ruins the gym for me. Cause I just want to like, like it was was silly. It's over the top. And I'm like, I can't focus on anything that I'm doing because I just want to see him like, like pile drive someone or these weights. Like I just, it's going to happen. He's living his best life. And that was like the one thing is. is that I was trying to hide while I try to develop my best life. And this guy was just living it. And so, um, I, I, I could see where your OCD would come into play if you couldn't even leave the house. You couldn't even get into the gym setting that you needed to actually even get to bodybuilding. So as you were transitioning from keto to, to carnivore, what, what flipped that switch uh, as you, like how, how soon into carnivore did you feel yourself kind of flip from that OCD to, to being an outgoing outside of your, your inside of yourself outside in the world again? So I committed to doing 30 days of carnivore and I thought it was just going to be a great way to restart my keto diet because I had fallen off the wagon once again of Mm -hmm. keto. And um, I was very surprised to find that my OCD actually diminished within that 30 days. And it was enough to keep me hooked. You know, like it was enough for me to see that I was getting benefit from it to keep going. Um, I would say it probably took a solid three months for me to feel like I do now where my OCD is actually cured. I'd no longer have any sort of OCD behaviors. Um, but within the first 30 days, I felt enough of a reduction of my OCD symptoms to keep me going. That's crazy. Like I, like we've talked about this before in the first take, but it's still, it's mind baffling to me. It blows my mind of like the, how quick that transition was mentally for you. And, um, like discussing it before, but did you just dive in 
to research and figure out, was there a chemical-based thing? Was there something that meat was doing, like a protein-based, like a strong protein, heavy fat-based diet, saturated fat diet, uh, was producing to, to help with this balance in your brain? Yeah. So when I started carnivore, I was really just doing it for weight loss um, and for some of the mental clarity I'd experienced on keto, as well as the pain reduction, reduction, excuse me, in my joints. And, um, I wasn't expecting the mental health benefits. I hadn't heard anyone talk about it at that time. And so once I started experiencing it, I was like, what the heck, like, why is this different than keto? What makes carnivore different? And I think it was a combination of three things. Um, so one is your brain can be insulin, insulin resistant, just the way your body can be. So it may have been, I wasn't keto long enough to experience insulin sensitivity in my brain yet. And perhaps if I had stuck with keto, I would have had that experience. I think it was also plant toxins. So plants can't run away from us the way that animals can. So they have to have a way to defend themselves and they do that through plant toxins. Um, and so, so specifically have a huge effect on our brain and our, uh, the actual chemical reactions in our brains. So they're present in things like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, spinach, things that I was eating pretty heavily on a keto diet. And then the third thing I think is the fat that I was eating. So on keto, I was eating more vegetable based fats. So a higher ratio of polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fatty acids. Whereas on carnivore, you just kind of naturally eat more saturated fat. Um, I, I wanted to mention, you know, Brian and I are very familiar with the types of deterrence that plants can create. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a live like almost a year ago of eating uh, like the world's spiciest peanuts. They put like Carolina Reaper and Pepper X awful. on it. We we didn't even, like there's like five levels. We made it to level three before we mm-hmm. we tapped out. And I, I, went, I went to the shock after. I was like, I, I was not in my body anymore. I was gone somewhere else. And um, yeah, like real talk, plants can definitely <laughs> defend themselves, especially with the pepper variety. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've all seen uh, the M. Night Shyamalan movie, you know? It's just... Uh, what was that movie called? Oh, The Happening. The Happening with Mark Wahlberg. The, the, the environment took back over. So basically, what was occurring... So as you go back and you look now, um, I think this is the second reference to M. Night Shyamalan we've had in this season. Yeah, it's and too that's much. And that's not where we're going. That's the second one. And it's not on... Um, but you look back as you're, as, you're, as you're in your carnivore journey right now. You, you look back. Do you see... As you were more of a people pleaser back in the plant-based diet, do you see that, that that diet could cause even more harm to you than you would ever even imagined, especially on the mental health side of it? Yeah, for the, the plant-based diet, I think there are a lot of aspects of it that are not great. Um, one thing I find interesting is we know that carnitine is extremely important for mental health, especially people who have depressive episodes. Um, Just having a normal amount of carnitine in your diet can reduce depressive episodes by 50% in an article I read. Um, And carnitine is only present in meat. Um, It's not an essential amino acid and therefore it's not something that vegetarians or vegans focus on in their diet. Um, So there's just so many things there. I think that the fat composition is not ideal for the human body. I think that there are a lot of plant toxins you have to overcome. And then just by the 
actual composition of the diet, your body has to process so much glucose. And we know that insulin resistance is, it takes about three months to become insulin resistant. Mm -hmm. And if you're only eating plants and under eating protein, which I think it's very difficult to get adequate amounts of protein on a standard American diet, let alone a plant-based diet. Yeah. There's just a lot of problems. So Brian and I did like a, a deep dive episode on sugars and specifically like fructose, right? Cause like on a cheat day, I'd still go and have like a regular like soda here and there. It's basically how your body goes and it becomes more of a fat thing and, and fructose and glucose and just more of the fructose side of the high, especially the high fructose corn syrup thing. Like it makes your liver more fatty, which then slows down everything. And then your liver can't pass out the enzymes to your body to make your body feel good and help you produce, produce things. Um, but one of the things I wanted to, to pick your brain with uh, in regards to the carnivore diet is that I see it, especially, I mean, I, I call the carnivore diet more of a subsegment of keto and it kind of looks like that. But as I've talked more in depth with uh, with you, just researching, just here while we're while we're talking, because it's just kind of mind baffling to me what what's going on. Um, when you see a lot of these carnivore people, and I'm not going to mention any names, but there are some carnivore people that there that claim that the carnivore diet can cure cancer or you know prevent autism in children. When you when you hear that kind of situation, when you hear that, does that kind of piss you off that people could be kind of deconstructing what Carnival could actually do in the actuality of somebody? Because it's not an end-all, be-all diet like you mentioned before. It's not for everybody, but there are people out there that try to advertise it as it is for everybody and everybody should do it. Yeah, I think that um, Carnivore is very powerful as an elimination diet specifically. Um, and so I personally don't see a problem with everyone trying carnivore at some point. I think that by eliminating all the other toxins, all the glucose, everything that could be damaging your body, either through inflammation or actual toxins or elevating autoimmune disorders, anything like that. Um, I think that's where it's, it's most powerful. Um, so treating it like a true elimination diet, reducing down to beef, salt, and water for a period mm -hmm. of time. But then after that, I personally do not have any problem with people adding things back in. I fully yeah. accept that I may have to be a carnivore for the rest of my life because of my mental illness. Um, and that being the only thing that has treated it, I previously tried medications, behavioral therapy, nothing helped. It just managed my OCD. Carnivore has cured it. So if I have to eat this way the rest of my life, I will do so gladly. Yeah. I also want to say, when I think of the carnivore diet, I, for me personally, I, th I just think like, oh, I'll just like make a steak or make ground beef and it's, it's boring for me, but looking at your page and like the, the cake, the three tiered cake you made. Cake. And I mean, that's like, that's in a recent example. I mean, I, like I said, I kind of, I followed along with you for a while now. There's just a lot of stuff that you make that I didn't think was possible in a carnivore diet. Like what, what drives that creativity? And like, I mean, how long did that cake take you to make? Cause it sounds like an all day event. 
I think for me, you know, some people do approach carnivore like an elimination diet or as a quick fix, like uh, they use it to drop weight quickly kind of a thing. Um, for me, because it is something I may have to do for the rest of my life, I want to see how I can make it as fun, accessible and enjoyable as possible for the long term. And so for me, that's also treating it as a creative outlet for creating recipes or recreating things that I enjoyed when I was eating standard American diet, but figuring out how to make it carnivore and how to keep that experience, whatever it is, whether it's mac and cheese, fish and chips, stuff like that, still keep that in my life. Um, the meat cake was so much fun to make. Uh, I just had a blast doing that. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, it was a three-tiered cake. The bottom layer was basically a beef meatloaf. The second layer was a pork meatloaf. And then the top layer was a chicken meatloaf. I am a little embarrassed at how long it took me to make. Um, I would say in total, probably like three to four hours. That's not bad. Though. I mean, that's not bad at all. I, would, I was I expecting would like you to say like 10 to 12. It took me multiple hours over two days. Okay. Um, yeah, if anyone is listening to this, definitely go and check out those Instagram posts because it is one. It's a, it's a beautiful cake, like very well put together. So the cheese around your cake, go over and see how the details. Like, I want to know like how you just decided to detail this cake. Yes, absolutely. So I watched a lot of Food Network and a lot of like great British baking shows. So I took a lot of inspiration from those things and just figured out how to make it meaty. Um, so the bottom layer was uh, beef. So I used whatever meat I was using and egg whites as the binder to keep the cake kind of more structured and together. Mm -hmm. So I baked the beef meatloaf and then the filling for that was cream cheese and Stilton. And then around the outside, I used a cream cheese buttercream frosting. And then I covered it with a mozzarella and egg fondant. And then I fried cheddar cheese in the oven to create a fried cheese collar. So it had a really pretty lacy effect around that yeah. side of the bottom layer. Um, and then for the second cake, I did a pork meatloaf filled with sausage gravy, carnivore sausage gravy, which like my mouth is watering right now, just thinking about it. A huge shout out to Steven. He taught me the magic that is what I now call slutty eggs. And the crispy egg bits are left in the pan after you make slutty eggs. Oh, okay. And that's the top, okay. right? Yeah. Yep. That was the top of the top layer. So good. See, I, I enjoy that you do this because him and I, Steve and I did this uh, a few months back where we actually tried the carnivore diet. Uh, we did it for, I think, three days. Was it three days? Three to five days? Yeah. I think it was. So we did it for like three or five days. And by like the middle of day one, I was like, I need something like, you know, but I, I continued it for three days. Um, and so I, I just didn't, I didn't feel creative in regards to how you do carnivore. So it was just like basic bacon and eggs, like steak, hamburger, um, you know, just mixing it up as a cheese here and there. Um, and so it kind of blew my mind just seeing your page and Steven getting me introduced to who you were. Uh, and who you are, I was like, oh, okay, because what you just said is exactly what I do and what Steven and I have done with keto for so long is that we've made keto more of a uh, adaptable lifestyle where you can actually be creative in it. And we've had food challenges uh, that we've developed, you know, keto 
Um, what was our first one? We had keto Chinese food. We had gumbo. Uh, keto gumbo. Uh, we had uh, stroganoff. Like we did keto mm-hmm. stroganoff as well. Uh, and so, which I mean, insanely, we you go through this and conceptually, it doesn't sound like you could make these dishes keto, but you can. And you're making things that, when you think of carnivore, it just seems very basic. Like you said, beef, water, and salt. Yeah, I was. I will definitely say, like, if you can incorporate dairy and eggs, it really opens up a lot more opportunity um, for what you can do on a carnivore diet. And I think, too, the other thing people think is that carnivore has to be expensive. I actually did a budget week where I spent less than $6 a day on eating a carnivore diet. So I think it can be whatever you need it to be. Um, It just may take a little more effort or a little more creativity or a little more time. And it didn't limit because, I mean, there's just so much meat you can eat out there because it's not just beef. I mean, you can implement fish, you can implement chicken and pork. Um, It's just a balanced kind of situation. And so I I look back at my Instagram of like what I did during that week. And, you know, I had bacon wrapped shrimp. I had, and I used like different seasonings that would be just kind of like the to, to pop it up a little bit. So it was like a Cajun based seasoning that I'd sprinkle with the, the shrimp and then wrap the bacon around it. Um, and then chicken wings and then like pork loins and stuff like that. So, and it wasn't expensive because it's not just steak. And like I found, I mean, especially at Costco, I'm a huge Costco family when it comes to meat stuff because you can buy a, an abundance for $24 and you have, you have like two weeks worth of food that you can eat. And so it's not hard to eat carnivore and it's not expensive to eat carnivore unless you're buying the ribeye or the Kobe beef or the, the Wagyu and stuff like that. If you're making it fancier, that's what happens. But if it's just meat and gravy, like down to just ground beef, ground chicken, pork, it's, you can see that it's a cost saving situation. Absolutely. And I think eggs are, I oh, personally have always been a huge egg consumer of like, just Same. even when I was standard American, <laughs> um, but I actually ate eggs when I was on keto, but I would microwave them every day. And it it became a texture issue for me that I couldn't eat eggs for two years after that. And then when I went carnivore, I started incorporating eggs again. Um, And I asked what people's favorite egg recipes were, which was when um, Steven popped in with the slutty egg recipe. And my life has never been the same since. (laughs) If I have any impact in anything in my life, I am happy it was slutty eggs. It's a, a legacy now. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I mean, I still do it like once or twice a week for breakfast. It, it's it's perfect. <laughs> um, so I did actually want to ask you, unless I freeze again and can't ask you, um, in terms of the things that like, like what what is your go-to dish, right? Because I, I think I saw for a while it was just like ground beef but like, do you have like a go-to dish that like changes a lot or what, like, what's like your easy, quick meal? I definitely go through phases like week to week. I'll eat the same thing every day for a week. I think people think that I eat the way my recipes read where I'm eating like carnivore ravioli and then I'm eating carnivore stroganoff, but that's not really what I eat at all. I eat eggs and bacon for breakfast almost every morning. And then typically I'll have a leaner meat like chicken or tilapia for lunch and then some sort of beef for dinner. Steaks when I can afford it, ground beef when I can't. Nice. Okay. So out and about, because that's what I get a lot of is what can you eat keto 
out and about and i mean it's just easy to explain to them but i mean even on the meat side but like out and about you're out to dinner uh with friends or family what is your what does your order look like what do you do well, if I get to choose, we're going to a Brazilian steakhouse because we can oh, eat. Okay. Yeah. They can cut it at the table, yeah. Yeah, and all you can eat meat, yes. I went to a birthday dinner with my brother and I out ate him by like <laughs> double the amount of meat. And the waiters were hilarious because they kept coming by the table and they would just be like, she doesn't say no. Um, <laughs> so that was a great experience. But um, if I can't choose, I'll do something like I'll order a side of burger patties, or if there is steak on the menu, I'll order that. I'll order chicken wings a lot. Um, that's always a good option. If we're going to a sushi place, I'll get sashimi. Typically Mexican places, if they have like fajitas, that's great. Mm-hmm. I love molcajete bowls. Oh my gosh, that is a game changer. If you go to a Mexican place and they have a molcajete bowl, do that. You will not regret it. Or if it's like something like chipotle, I'll just get two meats. Um, trying to think of what other genres there are. Oh, like Asian, you can get the pepper beef. And I'll just ask what they cook it in, see if they can do it in water or butter versus an oil. Yeah. So I guess in terms of sauces and stuff, like for wings, right? Can you do like a garlic Parmesan still, or is that like off the table? I think the longer I've been carnivore, the more I just want salt and meat. But definitely when I started carnivore, I... I always joke that the two plant toxins I won't give up are caffeine and capsaicin. (laughs) I love hot sauce so much. Um, So yeah, Frank's Red Hot. Sure. Like, yes, please give me. Um, I kept mustard in for a long time too. And I did keep garlic in for a while, but then I realized it was making my stomach hurt. Um, So I took, yeah, sometimes I'll still take the hit though, because I freaking love garlic. So I'm like- It's fine. I will take the stomach cramps. Give me all the garlic I can have. That's how I felt when I thought I could eat those. uh, Oh, what is it? Atkins snacks for a while. Like I'd have like two packs of it. Like, oh, my stomach hurts, but like, they're so good. And then I realized that like, they're probably kicking me out of ketosis. I'm like, this is, that was a bad day. (laughs) Bad day. I mean, anything we eat is that trade-off, right? It's like, is this helping me or harming me? And if it is harming me, is it worth whatever I'm giving up to eat this thing? So for me, like I can choose to eat garlic and I know it's going to hurt my stomach, but if I'm cool with that, then it's an okay choice. I think it's just, uh, for me, like, I don't care what other people eat. I just care that they're making a conscious decision about the effects that food is going to have on themselves. See, Steve and I used to advertise the Atkins peanut M&Ms because they were delicious. I mean, I'd have a peanut M&M and a Coke Zero while I waited to pick up my kids in school. And uh, we had uh, a couple of guests. One was Hello Healthy, Hello Happy. And then uh, Keto Snacks came on and they talked about mouth tall that was in there and like just ruined the Atkins peanut M&M's ruined our lives uh, is what they ruined did. it. I mean, it was just like, and they, they took away my, my little joy that I had in the afternoon and I still hate them for it. Um, it's still gonna, it's still, but I stopped eating them. I stopped eating them because it just wasn't, um, conducive to what I was doing. Uh, if it was going to kick me out of ketosis or it was going to slow down, uh, what I needed my body to do, then I needed to stop and just reevaluate. And I, I think, uh, your story so far, is going through there and doing those different, uh, just exploring those diets, those exploratory diets uh, that 
you stop, you figure it out, and then you, you readjust and you find your stride. As you guys are aware, we are sponsored by our friends at Eat Proper Good for the fall season. Not the fall month, not the fall month, not to be confused with what I said last <laughs> month, but the fall season. It is soup season. Also, soup's on, pumpkin pies, thick thighs. Oh, there we're are, and we're, it's going to go all fall season, bro. It's never going to stop. Uh, you, there's also, you know, our friends at Eat Proper Good, they do multiple. It's not just keto. It's multitude. It has gluten-free. It has, it's vegan, uh, low-carb, protein, all anything that you can think of. It's going to fit your lifestyle. And, and it's, it's super convenient. Ready to heat and eat. 90 seconds. 90 seconds. You just open it up, put it in the microwave. 90 seconds. Game over. You're enjoying yourself some amazing soup. And if you want to be even more spicier with it, get that proper, the proper spice, man. Just a it's little good. dabble of the proper spice. It's real oh, good. It, it slaps. It literally, that's what the kids say these days. It slaps. And to join the rest of the world, Eat Proper Good has now come out with a cream of chicken soup, which is a number one seller nationwide, which I did not know that. Didn't no. know that at all. That cream that's of chicken huge. soup was the number one selling soup in the United States. So that just came out. And you know what's the coolest thing about this, Stephen? What's that? If they use the code butter, they get 15% off. 15% off. 15% off. You'll get soup and 15% off if you use the code butter at eatpropergood.com. Don't sleep on it, y'all. You need some soup. It's getting colder, and you don't want to go with that without soup. You need something to stick to your bones a little bit. Yep. Keep you full. Non-fact-based misinformation. And it's detrimental to people. Like if, if somebody believes that and eats a certain way and this is how they're coached, it's kind of scary, but you have to find your, you have to find what works for you. And it, with you, you're, you're showing that like, Hey, this is not an end all be all thing for most people. It will be for me because it's working for me. You have to find what's working for you. And that's, that's exceptional that you're, you're pushing that message rather than uh, your diet's stupid. Uh, this is what my diet does kind of situation. Yeah, I say this a lot, but I think that we all come from a place of a different health history and we all have different goals. And so it's, it's okay if our diets look different. And I think that this is important too, for people to realize, like I share my journey, I share what I eat, I share what works for me, but I never tell anyone this will also work for you because I don't know that I don't know their health history. I don't know what their goals are. I don't, I don't know how my diet will affect them. My point is that our diets can look different and that's okay. And your diet can look different over time and that's okay. What is not okay is saying you have to, or should, or, uh, must do a diet a certain way, um, in order for you to be included in whatever diet you identify with. I think that's problematic. And I don't use that word lightly. That word actually really bothers me. Um, but any sort of dogma in keto in carnivore, excuse me, is probably doing more harm than good. Because if you put up barriers to the diet, like the more we say, you know, you're only a carnivore, if you just do beef, salt and water, like how many people are going to want to do that long-term? Yeah, they're not. Do you see carnivore police, like keto police out there? There's literally an account named that. (laughs) That's, that's not great. Yeah. She, is it it you secretly just like, (laughs) talking crap to people so that you can have that release from people it absolutely is no um somebody took a, a picture of me 
decapitated my head from it and just showed my body and said like, this is why you shouldn't eat the carnivore diet. Look at how, uh, I think the word sarcopenia was used. I don't know. Um, I was like, uh, so she's basically saying that I'm catabolic, like I'm wasting muscle because I'm not getting enough fat on my carnivore diet. And I was like, girl, if you want to use my body to say that my diet is not working for me, when you've seen my befores, you go right ahead. Like if I am the worst example of a carnivore, go right ahead. (laughs) That's wild. I, I mean, I don't understand the gatekeeping that there is in diet culture and, or like in gym culture or like whatever, right? Like just general like health and wellness, um, or as I say, hellness a lot because I confuse them. Both words together. Yeah. Uh, I just, I I, I can't wrap my head around like why someone would want to like bar someone from coming in, right? I guess I can say that to a point because now that like I do go to the gym and like I, I, am solely focused on like technique and making sure that like I'm not going to injure myself when I see people with bad technique or like those gym fails where some dudes like flying around on the cable machines. <laughs> like I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe someone should say something to this person, but I mean, not to like stop him from coming, but to say like, you're going to hurt yourself or others by doing this. And it's not, it's not good. Uh, that's natural selection though. You know, <laughs> uh, to an extent. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah, they want to launch themselves into the ceiling. Who am I to stop them? Yeah, why not? It's fun. It's it's that's where it's at. Uh, so let's let's go to seasonings. And so that's the one thing that uh, you mentioned, just like salt, water, and beef. But you've talked about what you'd like to have, like the spicy side of it. What is like seasoning that you see that would be safe to utilize in the uh, the the carnivore world? Uh, because the more I, the more I get into here and the more I see it is it's a way that I can, I'm not going to look at it as restarting my keto. Cause I've lost 125 pounds and I've maintained it for the, over the last year. And I'm just, you know, it's not that I'm bored with keto, but I know St- Steven as well is kind of finding ways that oh, he wants to keep you happy. Like the seasoning that keeps you carnivore is greater than the cleanest, purest form of carnivore, right? If it, keeps you eating the way that you want to be eating to pursue your health goals. I see more value in that than being a carnivore purist. So like for me, um, I kept hot sauce in for a really long time. I kept mustard in for a really long time, garlic powder, onion powder, um, even like cinnamon in my coffee. I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. that for a long time. The way I see it, there's nothing that's inherently bad. If you notice you cut it out. And then when you bring it back in, you have a negative health effect. I would maybe avoid that. But other than like, I don't see anything as a bad carnivore seasoning. So let's, let's talk about coffee then. Um, cause every morning I, I, I brew my own cold brew coffee, which I think a lot of people are doing that nowadays, but, um, I like to just put a little, like a quarter cup of, uh, almond milk with some sweetener, MCT oil, and then I blend it up. Like I just froth it up and then you know, pour my coffee over it. What is something, what additives? Is that like heavy cream? Would that be heavy cream would be it more of like a dairy-based instead of like a plant-based almond side? Yeah, I would do heavy cream. I would do butter. Milk is also really great. I know it's higher in carbs than you're probably used to. So this is another thing. I think a lot of people come to carnivore from keto. And so they think of carnivore Absolutely. from a keto mindset. 
But the way I see it, it's a nutrition source diet. I no longer see it as a carnivore diet. So I'm actually okay with including dairy that has a higher percentage of carbs. Also, I know you guys said you went into glucose and fructose. Have you looked into galactose? It is the sugar that is in milk specifically. I did uh, a little bit. I didn't spend a lot of time diving into it because I don't drink milk in a keto diet. And so it wasn't kind of the, the focus of that episode, but uh, it definitely came up a few times through the different research I was doing. Yeah. So galactose is interesting in the way that it's processed in the human body. Um, basically it doesn't convert to glucose easily. So in the process of being converted, you actually burn more calories than you get from it. So the sugars you see in milk are probably not as um, like, it's going to be lower on the glycemic index essentially. And there's a ton of benefits to milk too. It has one of the highest leucine percentages for amino acid within a protein. Um, and that's a huge benefit. If you are someone who's looking to build muscle, it's second to whey protein, like whey protein oh, wow. is your top source. And then milk is going to be your second and then eggs and then things like beef, chicken, pork. Um, so there, there's a lot of benefits to looking at, at carnivore as a nutrition source diet versus a keto diet. Um, that said, I still believe like higher fat than standard American is essential to being successful at a carnivore diet, especially at the beginning. Um, but then after that, you can kind of look at flipping to a higher protein diet too. Um, that's kind of where I'm at now with trying to build muscle, but sorry, tangent. Yes. <laughs> coffee. I would recommend, um, heavy whipping cream, half and half milk. Uh, I don't know if you've tried egg blended into coffee, but it is oh. unctuous is the word I would use. That isn't, that's not like a selling point. That is not like, that's not a word that makes me like, oh, I want to try that. Unctuous doesn't, doesn't sell me on it. Um, so real question on regards to galactose and how you're describing, do, would you know that if, cause it's like, I can't drink regular milk. So I'm lactose intolerant when it comes to heavy amounts of lactose in it. So I can have a, 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 a sensible amount of cheese without it bothering my stomach. Uh, but if I drink milk, even if it's 2% milk, it, it just destroys my stomach. So is uh, galactose in a lactose-free milk? I believe so, because it still has carbs in it, correct? Yeah, it still has carbs in it. Yeah, so um, the the sugar that's in milk, it's a glucose milk. So lactose is glucose and galactose. Mm -hmm. So yes, even lactose-free milk still have a certain percentage of lactose in them. So I'm not sure that you could do that. Um, for you, I would definitely stick to like heavy cream because it's going to naturally have less lactose in it. If you're looking yeah. at like, do you handle butter well? Or do you yeah, have to I, go? I have no problem. I have no problem with butter. It's just milk, like milk and mm -hmm. ice cream that's heavy in lack, like dairy, uh, mess with my, uh, my stomach. And so keto has been amazing because I, I, I love the hell out of the cheese. And so cheese hasn't bothered me. I don't eat that much cheese. I eat cheese in a good amount of fashion, but, uh, not where it's going to destroy my stomach, but milk, if I have just like a, like a half a cup of it, it's, it's game over for me. And not to be one of those people, but some people have experienced that their lactose intolerance is cured with carnivore. Mm. Um, that actually happened to, uh, my now boyfriend who is also carnivore. Oh, wow. Well, that's interesting. Did you, I mean, I, I hate to pry if you don't want to answer, that's fine. But did y'all meet like on Instagram? Yeah, we did. Um, so it's kind of a silly story, but he's in the UK mm. and my family is English. And so we grew up spending time in England to visit family. 
and their pork and chicken taste so much better there. I believe it's because they aren't soy fed or grain fed, they're barley fed. So he posted a like grocery haul or something. And so I commented something to him, like just a heads up, um, me following you is going to be me complaining about how much better English meats are. (laughs) And he, he's an anonymous account. So I, I thought for a very long time, like, I have no idea what this person looks like, their gender or their age. So I thought we were just like hanging out, being funny. Um, But he reeled me in with a bunch of really bad meat puns. So that's how, that's how Brian got me too. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause we, we met on actually in like what, two weeks, Brian, a week, we're going to go meet each other in in person finally. Yeah. Two weeks. So two weeks from Friday. So just 13 days. Yeah. We live in the same state. He's not counting though. No, like I, I have to be like, I'm exact. Like I have to be exact. That's just my numbers based brain. I, like I can't say two weeks if it's actually like 12 days. So, uh, but Steve and I, we, we met on Grinder, and uh, we, <laughs> we, uh, we greatly enjoyed a, uh, a Cubano pizza, yeah. even though we're both, you know, very happily married to women and have kids. Uh, you know, that's just, it's just part of our love story. That's it. So, but we, we actually, the love that we have is all over a, a, a Cubana pizza uh, recipe that I made. So, and I perfected. So, I mean, yeah, that's, I don't a, that's he, that. he took out like Cubana pizza. You have to have pickles on it and he doesn't have pickles on his. So it's not really a Cuban pizza. I'm sorry. So. I improved it, mm-hmm. but so like pickles, not even like yellow peppers. Really? I just don't like pickles. Like they're just, well, I'm they're leaving now. See, you don't even eat pickles. Do you <laughs> <laughs> not now, but she probably appreciates them, bro. So, I think Brian and I were talking about this the other day, but chicken wings marinated in pickle juice and then cooked in an air fryer are is, that is delightful. Brian, yeah, that's what you do. You brine your chicken wings in uh, pickle juice. It's absolutely phenomenal. But I, I like to brine mine and then like use a Nashville seasoning to have it. So you have this like Nashville, th- like just like this feeling to it. Um, I haven't done that in a while. I used to smoke wings like that and I haven't done that in a long time. Um, but yeah, Stephen doesn't like pickles, and so it's uh, and like it's a I've, I've tried to be open minded about it and like get myself to eat them because I used to be very picky as a child, right? And I, and I understood, that, like I, I never would have touched cauliflower before, but now it's like hey, part of the diet. Uh, yeah, pickles still just can't do it. Can't bring myself to do it. I really appreciate what keto has done for the cauliflower because pre-keto, my perception of cauliflower was like, it'd be on a crudite, you'd have to eat it with a lot of ranch to stomach it. But like keto has really promoted the cauliflower. Now you have cauliflower rice, you have cauliflower pizza crust, like somehow we have been tricked into eating farts and we're okay with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what those uh, Atkins M&M peanuts did to me. I was just eating farts there too. And you know what? Sometimes you have to make the sacrifices. The sacrifice he's going to do. So, exactly. So, not to sound like a hipster, like oh, I've I've followed you since like before you you blew up, but like you have grown your page quite a lot, right? In this time, and so what? uh, Like, what's next for you? Because like you have your own website, you're involved in a lot of different things. Is it just like have you kind of perfected what you're doing? You're just going to do more of that, or do you have bigger plans coming up? Yeah. So I grew my following without any sort of like intention 
with it, which is now a problem because I feel like people have expectation of like, what's next? And I'm like, I'm still just derping around. Um, (laughs) Like I was thinking about it the other day and I really want to promote content that I enjoy as a Mm. longer carnivore. I think that the space becomes kind of boring. Um, I recently did a YouTube video on this. It's pretty spicy, full of memes. I think you guys would enjoy it, but essentially when you become a carnivore, there's kind of a set number of characters and narratives you need to get a handle on. And then once you understand that it's really boring because it's the same meat picks over and over. And so my intention with the carnivore space is to keep it fun and interesting for me very selfishly. Um, so recently I've been doing, I call them bacon buddies. And so I'll bring another carnivore into a live with me and we'll discuss something that I consider like a tier two carnivore topic. Like once you're a carnivore, you get the basics down, you want to start progressing. Like I had biochem carnivore on and we talked about muscle building. I had Daisy's carnivore journey on, we made tallow bomb together. So getting into like animal-based beauty. Um, So just stuff like that. I have found really interesting lately um, and promoting content creators. I really appreciate and find interesting very selfishly because I want more of that content. Awesome. I mean, it's, um, it's cool to see a lot of the, the stuff you do and just the creativity that goes into it. Right. Cause like I said, I mean, I, I looked up that YouTube video that you're bored of carnivore. Right. And like, that's, I guess in a similar way to you, right? Like from what you post to what you actually eat in a day is, is different. Right. And so like, I end up not really having anything that I want to post because I don't venture out very often. Like I find what I like to eat. It's easy for me, especially when like I work from home. And so I can just like run downstairs for 20 minutes, make what I want to eat, run back upstairs. I don't have to think through it all. And then like, what's the word? Like spend that creativity and I mean, just work tapes takes up a lot of time lately. Um, and so for me, I, I kind of fell off and I had this weird, like obligation. I, I felt an obligation to post and to have something interesting to continue this. Right. And that's, that's why I just, I took a break for a couple of weeks because I, I just and deactivated my Instagram because I was just burnt out and I was tired of feeling that, that obligation, but I'm assuming that this isn't like your full-time thing, like you have a life kind of outside of your Instagram page. Like, do you have a hard time balancing those two things? Absolutely. I definitely have gone through periods of needing a break from social media. I think anytime you're putting yourself out there, you're opening yourself up to critique. And I'm sure you guys experience this too, but you're also opening yourself up to a lot of unsolicited advice. Like anytime I post anything workout, I get so many opinions strategies, pieces of advice that I literally never asked for. (laughs) And it's part of, it's the, I don't want to say sacrifice, but it's part of the experience of sharing your journey and putting yourself out there. Um, And so I think it wears on me after a while. I just feel like you can post whatever you want, but there's always going to be someone who thinks you're doing it wrong. Oh, absolutely. 
So that's the thing I find difficult is like some people tell me I eat too high protein. Some people tell me I eat too high fat. Some people tell me I shouldn't be eating cheese, whatever. It's like, I'm going to keep doing whatever works for me personally and sharing that so people can take from that what they will. Um, in terms of balance, um, I actually have, I was talking to Brian about this <laughs> it was yesterday, but it was just like, I started carnivore and then my life changed. So in the last 12 months, I have moved across the country. I quit the career that I had spent five years working on. Um, but carnivore also opened a lot of doors for me and my social media opened a lot of doors for me. So now I'm doing social media management work for health and wellness companies. And I feel really, yeah, feel really, really, um, just inspired by that and seeing how you can help people. And I think, especially through the past year with the pandemic and everything, finding different ways to establish connection through things like social media versus before we may have done it in person. And then I also do carnivore coaching, which is so rewarding, uh, just working with people and helping them achieve their best health through um, an animal-based diet. I have two clients specifically who their goal was to become pregnant. And one of them just sent me an ultrasound this past oh. week. I cried like a baby. Yeah, I, I would too. Oh my gosh. That's, um, you know, every now and again, we'll get feedback on like the podcast episode, especially like things around like mental health, right. Where someone said like, Hey, this really, uh, was impactful for me. There was, um, uh, it's kind of a friend of the podcast that I did an episode with uh, that I got to like talk about my like childhood and like why <laughs> I struggled with like weight and just self-esteem and all that kind of stuff. And I had a lot of people reach out from that saying like, oh, I really resonate with this piece or this piece. And it's so nice to know that like when it is a struggle that there are people that benefit from hearing that it's not just like what social media makes life out to be a lot of the times that like it's perfect, it's perfect, it's perfect until it's not type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really cool. I, I'm sorry. I, I keep on going back to like your Instagram page while we're like talking through here, which may be why my internet is killing me, but, um, just your, like, it's, I, I, what I like to do with a lot of our guests is like, look at where it started. Right. So like scroll all the way down and like, you do have a fairly consistent way of photographing your food. Mm -hmm. Although I'll say like a lot of your more recent posts, like it just looks like that, like 20% better. Did you like, have you gone through and like changed how you photograph or is it still like just with your phone or what? Well, I did upgrade my iPhone. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, um, over time and, uh, I travel a lot, so it's really difficult for me in terms of having consistency. Mm -hmm. So it's more a matter of, uh, just having a better understanding of the principles, like where I have good lighting and framing and, um, where I can maybe edit a bit to make it look more cohesive versus, um, you know, like I, I think for a good food picture, what you need is good lighting. Yeah. Um, and just finding that lighting. Uh, so I would say that's the biggest thing for me is just doing what I can with what I have versus feeling like I need the perfect setup every time. Um, and I think you get a much more organic experience that way too. Absolutely. Well, despite my technology issues today, <laughs> I really do appreciate you taking the time to chat and to, you know, talk about your journey. Um, I know everyone can find you at Lady Carnivory, 
I almost wanted to revert to the other pronunciation there for a second. I was waiting to see if you, I was going to see if you did it. I was going <laughs> to do it. <laughs> it was a very conscious thing. Um, but it looks like your YouTube channel is fairly new. Is that going to be like a new kind of uh, focus for you or no? I am very inconsistent at YouTube. Um, I am planning on doing a live on YouTube, which will be my first one. Nice. Um, and if that starts to go well, I might start because I've been doing lives on Instagram, but I might start doing them on YouTube. So yes, hopefully that's going to be a bigger aspect of my social media presence moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, well, again, thank you for for taking the time to, to chat with us today. Uh, appreciate your time. Thank you for it. having me on. Like this feels so full circle for me. You have no idea. <laughs>